Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Flames. Today, we are going to be talking about how the Flames have cauterized that wound of losing and how they did it today on Locked On Flames. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Locked On Flames, or welcome to Locked On Flames. I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, joined with my partner in crime, Nick Zararis. Today, we are going to be talking all about the Flames overcoming this god-awful seven-game slump and this upcoming trip to the East Coast, which is going to be a test for them and also uh, a reunification between Matthew Kachuk and the Calgary Flames. But let's dive right into today's episode. Nick, how how do you feel? Two wins after that. <laughs> when you're losing at like the way the Flames were, where every game it just kind of felt like you were waiting for the, the other shoe to drop no matter what, where you have a multi-goal lead, you blow it. You have a one-goal lead, you blow it. You get blown out. When you are in that kind of slump where everything is going wrong, to win two in a row, and the win against the Kings was pretty ugly. The win the other day, that was pretty ugly. But at that point, you'll take them any way you can get them. That, that's the biggest thing. It's just stabilizing here. It's it's battlefield medicine. When you're about to die, if you can stop the bleeding for a few minutes and save somebody and buy them a couple more minutes, that way you can operate on them a little bit more. That's what the Flames were after losing seven in a row. Absolutely. And, you know, we had talked about last time you were on about how they just needed to go out there and score six or seven goals. And they did it. That is what I was thinking the entire game. I was like, they're going to do exactly what the hockey genius over here at Locked on Flames said. And, you know, I think that does give them some confidence. I think it will help. Uh, You know, they had five even strength goals, which I was... I just wanted to kiss them all and say, look at you. Here are your gold stars. Like, my God. And, you know, it wasn't just one line. It was all four. So that's even better. What what has been the biggest difference maker, do you think? Um, number one, they got some good luck for once. When you're in a slump like that, you're going to have bad luck seemingly keep piling up on you where – Every little bounce goes against you when you're in a slump like that. And to score four goals at even strength, to score six goals in a game, you're getting good bounces. That's a statistical outlier where you're going to have a game where 15, 20% of the shots you take go in the net. Most of the time, that's not going to happen. You got that. And you had Markstrom make a couple of really big saves at key points in those games. The save he made in the Kings game, I think there were about 40 seconds left where if that went in, that would have tied the game and it would have went into overtime. He saved Mm -hmm. them there. 
that was really important that he still isn't playing amazing, but if he can just stabilize a little bit, that's what they need right now is just to stabilize the situation. It's very early. There's plenty of time left. The rest of the West, especially the Pacific division doesn't look too great. So there's plenty of time to sort everything out, but it's encouraging that they were able to rattle off two in a row against okay teams. The Kings are nothing special. It's fine. Just stabilizing the situation here, not letting it get away from you. Because you can end up in a situation like the Islanders last year where they lost 10 in a row in November, and that was it. Their season was over. There was no coming back from that. You cut it off at seven. All right. You reassess. you got a couple days off here going into your next game, and you'll see what happens. But you got to be encouraged that you got some good breaks, both in terms of goaltending and good shooting luck which was bound to happen because they had been in a really bad shooting slump for the last two weeks before the two wins yeah absolutely and I think for them like Tyler Toffoli has just been one of the players that I haven't been able to like take my eyes off of in terms of you know when he has the puck on his stick he's not afraid to shoot and you know they might not always be the prettiest shots but they don't have to be I think we've all seen some pretty questionable shots go in the net or go just wide this season. So, I mean, why not? And, you know, like you said, it's early, but they're not out of the woods. No. No, I mean, the big thing, and we'll talk about it more in the next segment, we're comparing how they're playing big picture wise versus this year versus last year. The biggest thing is the defense is not nearly as good as it was last year. And that's really been the most obvious thing because you're playing defense more. You're on offense less. Even if you're generating the same amount of offense as you were last year, if you have fewer opportunities to create offense, it's not creating the same amount of offense as last year, which has kind of been the thing so far this year is they're not getting as lucky because they're not generating as much offense. So the fewer chances they are generating, they're not as valuable. You're getting less lucky because there's less total chances to get lucky in. And it turns into a very basic math problem, which is the thing here. Even if you're shitty at math like I am, you can put everything out here and make it work. You can make things work for you. They need more opportunities to score. And that's the thing. More opportunities to score, the better chance you have of good luck happening. Absolutely. And, you know, you said that we're going to talk more about it coming up in this next segment. And I definitely um, want to pose the question of Eric Goodbranson and his departure, but also his kind of not so great start in Columbus. But before we do that, let's talk about Built Bar. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. So thank you so much. You got to try some of these. Nick, now that you're part of the Locked On team, you will be getting these. And there are so many ways to enjoy Built Bars. You can freeze them. You can put them in your shakes. Um, Jay from Locked On Blue Jackets melts them. And like makes a little like protein shake dessert sort of thing. I'm here for it. But this time of year is the perfect time to enjoy the white chocolate peppermint granola. It's built, it's built take on granola bars. So it's more filling and still insanely tasty. And to fit this season even more, they have a candy cane brownie puff. 
please deliver those on my doorstep yesterday. Built is for anyone. I love it because, you know, it's quick and easy. Take it on the go in between the, uh, the gym and work or class and work. Just the perfect way to sink your teeth into something that is just delicious, honestly. It is good for you. It is covered in 100% real chocolate, has about 17 grams of protein and low sugar, and only really has 130 calories. So definitely worth fitting into your uh, daily routine. And you can try Built Bar or Built Puffs or Built Granola, whatever you desire at built.com and you can get 15% off your order right now by using code locked on 15 at built.com. The great thing is you have a few months to prepare for the March madness. So you can try all of these. They do like these brackets for the month of March. So head on over and get uh, 15% off your order right now by using code locked on 15 at built.com. The flames. <laughs> the flames. What? Is there truly a reason for people to be writing this team off? Seven, six, and two. It's November. No. I know everybody does the American Thanksgiving stat, mm-hmm. and we talked about this when I was here last week. 30% of the teams still don't make the playoffs that are in playoff mm-hmm. spots. Yeah. There are statistical outliers. The Flames more than likely will play themselves into one of the wild cards or one of the top three seeds in the Pacific Division. Just based on the long term, I don't know if Seattle is going to be viable as a playoff team with 895 goaltending. I don't know if Stuart Skinner is actually this good as the Oilers goalie. There are a lot of things to figure out. And the longer the season goes on, the closer you're going to get to the truest outcome, meaning the larger your sample of evidence the more likely you are you're going to be able to come out with a a solid conclusion right now we're only 15 games into things it's very early to be making declarative assessments on anything right now it's why even though we're about to start talking a little more nuanced statistics stuff you got to say with a grain of salt it's only been a month and a half of a season it's only been 15 games a lot of teams still aren't what they're going to look like the flames probably have another move or two to make if they really consider themselves a playoff team like most playoff teams do come the deadline even if it is only adding a seventh defenseman or an extra forward that kind of thing it's really hard to make final judgments this early because most teams aren't what they are going to be post deadline that's another thing people forget when we talk about the thanksgiving stat that most hockey writers like to use yeah definitely and you know i think that it's there were a lot of moving pieces this off season and the flames, you know, you don't just go out there and pick up where you left off, especially, you know, even if it's the same group of guys, but now you're bringing in new people, taking key pieces away. You have to go out there and find that chemistry. And the flames defense is, you know, it was one of the best in the NHL last year. It was just so smooth and cohesive and just a model for what every team should be copying. We know the NHL is a copycat league and everyone wanted to be the Flames defense and I don't blame them. But this year, two people are gone pretty much. I mean, 
Oliver Shillington is away from the team for personal reasons. Um, Brad Tree Living gave an update and basically said, we're giving him the space and privacy he needs during this time. We hope he comes back this season. So you don't know. You don't know. Yeah. And Eric Branson left. Signed a four-year, $4 million deal with Columbus. And, you know... Was Eric Goodbranson really that vital? Did he play that well in a Daryl Sutter system? So a few parts of this. And one of the things that I have in the rundown there and in my notes here is just the amount each defenseman played. Last year, (laughs) Zadorov played the sixth or seventh most minutes of any defenseman on the team. This year, he's playing the third most minutes. That's a dramatic increase in workload. Last year, him and Goodbranson is the third pair. 13 minutes a game, 14 minutes a game. That's a lot lighter of a workload. It's part of why Branson hasn't played as well in Columbus because they're asking him to play more and in more situations. Mm -hmm. The more you put an average player out there or a below average player out there, the more they are going to be exposed. That's really what it comes down to right now for the Flames. And I understand part of that is that Chris Tanev has been hurt. He hasn't been able to stay in the lineup. So that forces everybody to play up a slot further than they would like to. Mackenzie Weger still hasn't totally settled in. Anderson and Hannafin are getting there. You're starting to see that rhythm form that they had last year when they were one of the best defensive pairs in the entire league, but they still got to figure out the rest. I mean, it's great to have your first pair ironed out. That's 24, 25 minutes a game. Mm -hmm. You still got to solve the other 35 minutes of the game. I mean, when you think about your defensive pairs, you typically want to divide it up into 25-ish to realistically 23, 24 minutes for your first pair, low 20, 21 for your second pair, and then your third pair is whatever's left, and then your penalty kill power play, filling up time as you divide it wherever you like it, depending on if your third pair guys are better at defense, offense, whatever. But generally speaking, you want to think about your defensive deployment in terms of splitting up the game into thirds, and then the the bigger pieces you want to give to your better defenseman. And right now the Flames have three good defensemen because they have a lot of guys rotating in based on injuries and availability. I just, I don't know. I don't, it's such a big difference from last year, like the drop off. And like you mentioned, the increase in workload is concerning. Yeah. Especially like, I don't know, you know, Nikita Zadorov is, I think that he has come not miles but he has taken steps forward in his gameplay I think that one thing he does need to work on is avoiding penalties but it's okay you're 6-2 you're big and Daryl Sutter likes you so you'll never be benched um I definitely want to see more and more from the defenseman as a whole I I don't want to see another goal be deflected off of Rasmus Anderson and basically scoring an own goal. Because I I think we had two of those in the playoffs and they've haunted me ever since. And I just, I'm concerned. Yeah. Because what if Chris Tanev just can't, knock on wood, but what if he can't stay healthy? What if that injury was so significant that it kind of did start a downward spiral for him. And he already was suffering from oh, being no. a quote-unquote injury-prone player. 
Absolutely. I mean, he was outstanding the other night in the win in yes. the win last week. He was outstanding in the first win of the two game win streak. I mean, Jay Fresh. Yeah, Jay Fresh highlighted him. Had like the four minute player of the night reel for him for the game he had. I think he they said ninety seven percent of the expected goals when Tana was on the ice. He was lights out, outstanding. The Flames mm-hmm. controlled the flow of the game basically the entirety of the time he was on the ice. The other thing we can talk about in terms of defense is they're playing, they're having to kill penalties more. They, they're taking a lot. They're taking about a minute more of penalties this year versus last year. And it's harder to play hockey at four on five than at five on five. And the goaltending has not been as good on the penalty kill last year on the penalty kill. It was, where is it? I wrote it down here. Oh, last year it was 86%. This year, no, last year was 87%. This year, 86%. 1% does not sound like a lot, but that's like one extra goal every two games, every three games. That adds up over the course of an entire season. So ideally, you're going to give up fewer of those chances. You got to stop taking the dumb penalties. And granted, they still were in the top 10 of penalty minutes per game last year because the way they play, the the slowness of their defensemen, it makes them prone to taking bad penalties. But you got to clean up that stuff because you already Mm -hmm. know your goalie isn't playing as well as it was, uh, was last year. And then to make him kill more penalties, your goalie is your best penalty killer. It's a cliche that hockey heads like to say, but it is true. It's a hundred percent true. Yeah. I. It's so frustrating because yeah. like the defense, again, I, I think when a lot of people tune into hockey, like casuals, they're more inclined to watch the offense because yeah. they're, but there was something that really like I feel like drew eyes to the Flames defense last year especially like when I was watching not to like call myself a casual because I mean I'm here every day but like you watched them more and you could see just how they controlled the game and then this year it's like I, I I'm almost convinced you would be better with out some of you on the ice but can't do that so you know it's just one of those things that they're gonna have to work through and hopefully Chris Tanev stays healthy even Michael Stone coming back would be a difference maker yeah yeah no definitely definitely you gotta sort out the defense because it's the biggest difference between this year and last year the offensive statistics the rate stat stuff of just like scoring chances expected Mm -hmm. goals high danger chances they're all more or less the same within you know one or two in each category so that goes to show you it's just a matter of they're not playing as much offense as they were last year they're having to play a little bit more defense they're taking a little bit more penalties that's really the difference between this team and last year and they're not getting as lucky with shooting percentage by about one one two percent as they were last year and the power play is not scoring as much as it was last year that's really the other thing that we haven't touched on yet about big difference between this year and last year is the power play not nearly as finishing i wrote it down here last year was 12.8 percent. this year it's 12.8 percent. it's only off by two decimal points but when you go in and look game by game the big, big difference is they're not creating as dangerous of chances on the power play because they don't have the below the net stuff they had last year with Johnny or with Matt running the offense through those guys. And when you orient your entire offense around an elite player, 
it helps to have said elite player. They've kind of had to recalibrate what they want to do offensively, especially on the power play without Matt and Johnny to run the offense through. You're seeing a lot more shots from the point from Rasmus Anderson on the man advantage. Those are less likely to result in goals because they're from further away from a less dangerous shooter. It's just, it's frustrating, but at the same time, they will, they, you're seeing signs of life. The, right. the, the encouraging thing before we get to the next part here is just, you saw, okay, they were mired in a slump, and Daryl said, all right, let's put Huberto on the third line. Let's shuffle up our lines here a little bit. Let's get creative, and let's see if we can spur some offense. And it worked. It worked. Yeah, it did. And, you know, that's that's just – you have to try. And I feel like I'm one of those people that is like, why is, like, this happening? Why are these people so high in the lineup? And why is this guy down here? If it works, it works. And just, yes. just leave it. Just – don't stop questioning just let it happen and we are going to talk about some of these issues that need corrective actions and how we as fans can sit here and look for those and uh just kind of what to keep an eye out for going into this weekend and thank you everyone for tuning into Locked on Flames, you can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Flames pod. So this team last year got very lucky in terms of injuries. Yes. Through the regular season, I don't think most of this team, if any players, really missed a stretch of games. Like you weren't, they weren't hurting uh, this year. Jonathan Huberto gets hurt. Daryl Sutter made a joke about him going to the bathroom, and he was actually on the trainer trainer's table. Um, and I guess that didn't land well with the room, but I, I get it. Uh, Chris Tanev came back from significant surgery yeah. ahead of schedule and is already missing time. And I don't want to say who's next, but you have to start thinking about that and thinking about, you know, what what do you do in a situation where, you know, Mangiapani just, you know, pulled hamstring, so he's got to rest for a day or two. Who are you calling up? Because you cannot shuffle these lines and, and, and get the success you need. I, I, I don't know. It's a real challenge. I mean, this is the danger of being a very good team in the NHL. Typically, you're not drafting highly in the draft. You're not going to be in a position to draft guys who are ready, close to ready for NHL action. You don't have a ton of salary cap space, so you can't trade a future draft pick to bring in somebody to fill in one of those gaps until closer to the deadline when you can prorate the salary and then entice another team to retain some salary by giving them a little bit better of a draft pick. Right now for the Flames, and I said this last week, it's just going to be a matter of the guys on the team right now playing better. And that's not really uh, an enticing strategy. It's not easy to say as a fan, hey, what do you want us to do? Well, play better. It's not like saying put this player with this player, go get somebody, bring somebody in. There's not really a lot of solutions, especially this early in the season, because not a lot of teams think they're out of it at this point. Maybe the Ducks are, because they. I think I don't think they have a regulation win They yet. don't have a regulation win. 
They're the only team I would say might that that's probably out of it already. There are a lot of teams that are getting there. I know half of the Blue Jackets are on injured reserve right now. That's another team that's on their way out already, so they should be acting accordingly. But for the most part, a lot of teams think they're still in the mix here. That's why you're not going to see action probably till December, January at the earliest. So realistically for the Flames, it's going to be cleaning up the defense, finding a way to be more consistent on the power play. And getting Markstrom into a rhythm here. If you can get him in an okay rhythm where he's playing four and five every other day, that will help him get on a roll. Most goalies need to play consistently with a reasonable routine to get into a rhythm where they can go on a heater and make 93% of the saves for a week and a half. It's really hard to get into a good rhythm as a goaltender if you're in a situation where you're playing once on a Tuesday, not again till Friday, then not again till Monday, just because it days off. Not Mm -hmm. even because they're spelling you with the backup. It's a problem early in the season, especially for a lot of these teams where you're playing against teams that share arenas, that have concerts, that have NBA teams. So scheduling this time of year in a lot of cases, especially for the teams in the United States, it's a mess right now. It's really hard to get a venue, to get in a consistent rhythm. And it's part of the reason the schedule is so weird. There are only three NHL games tonight on Wednesday as we're recording this. I think actually no, four. There's four games tonight. It's just, and then tomorrow I think there's 11. So it's really difficult for these teams to get into rhythms this early in the season. Absolutely. And, you know, I think last year you saw Markstrom have such a strong start to the season because Daryl Sutter didn't want to play Vladar. Yeah. He basically said, you don't exist until I, like, actually need you. And we saw that. I think he had, like, 13 starts. And, um, you know, we talk about this defense. How many times are we get like – don't take a shot every time we mention Zadorov or Chris Tanev because you may actually get sick. But in order for this team to at least find balance, some sort of, you know, regulation, regulate this defense, we need Chris Tanev back. Yes. 100%. And less Zadorov. Because, like, yeah. you you just have that nice little – increase with a little decrease and you just you don't have to worry as much you're off of the you'll be off of the penalty kill pretty much guaranteed right there which is helping this team out a million percent and it's not just you know the defense and the offense it's your your goaltender and you just mentioned before hey this team doesn't do great on the penalty kill neither does jacob markstrom so the more you eliminate those problems, the better chances you have of winning. And that's what we need right now. We, I say we as if I'm out there, but you know, the flames, that's what the flames need. No, and, and this isn't even like uh, complaining about Zadorov thing. Zadorov no. and Gabranson were really good last year as the third defensive pair because yes. they didn't have to do as much. And making his workload lesser is going to make Zadorov a better player. If you can, fi- I, I know they're not going to want to play Tanev and Uyghur together because they're both right-handed, and you don't want to make somebody play on their offside, and that's mm-hmm. part of the problem going forward. But at the same time, if you can decrease Zadorov's workload and you have a third pair of him with Michael Stone or Connor Mackey, or if you really, if you want to play Uyghur with him, okay, but you got to find a way to less Sidorov will make him more effective. And that's really the way you got to think about it. And it's the same thing with the fourth line. If you want to get better results out of that fourth line, 
11, 12 minutes as opposed to 13, right. 14 minutes. They're better in spurts. Those are role players. The way you think of it is like bench guys on a baseball team or rotation guys in basketball. They're only yeah. in the game for certain situations. And that's okay. That's part of the equation of finding a way to win is using guys in a situation that's going to amplify the skills that they do have. Exactly. And, you know, like you said, they're role players. They have very specific roles to this team and they they're they matter they're part of the puzzle but you know just less or more of them depending on who they are Jonathan Huberto is back in this lineup and it it's great to see he scored his 200th career goal on or against LA I don't I could not tell you what day of the week that was I deeply apologize no they all blend together at this point like at this point i don't know but when i saw him playing on the third line or with trevor lewis i was like what are we doing we're paying this man like 11 million dollars to play with trevor lewis but it worked it's interesting. This is a strategy. I, I've seen this strategy only like in the EA Sports NHL video games franchise where yep. you'll go online and you'll play against somebody else and they will intentionally put a really good player lower in their lineup because the game default plays the, lo- the lines in the order of overalls. So by putting a really good player on your third line, they're going to match up against the other team's third line, which isn't going to have as good of overalls. And it's going to allow you to exploit that matchup better. I know in years past, I would get Mitch Marner, put him on my third line with like two average, like Dylan Strom type forwards and just use Mitch Marner and exploit the matchup over and over again. And that's kind of what the Flames did against the Kings because he was playing against more favorable matchups. John Huberto was able to be more comfortable, be a little bit more effective. Trevor Lewis had a really nice goal the other day. That power move that resulted in a goal was sick. And it's awesome when you can get a contribution like that from the lower parts of your lineup. And because the Flames have had such a difficult time scoring consistently, to get those depth contributions is just going to make everybody else more confident in their game and what's it called and playing Rizika on the first line he potted a couple of go- hey right until <laughs> it, it, it doesn't great. work like you said before when things work don't question them just ride it until it stops working and then we can reassess for now keep it what keep it the lines what they were against the kings that worked out very well you scored six goals i don't know if the flames had scored six goals in their prior two games put together go from no. there yeah yeah <laughs> And that's the thing is like, they were able to do that for a reason. And, yeah. you know, you can't, I can't just sit here and pinpoint exactly what it was. It Ooh, was I have an idea. Yes. So one of the reasons why I think it worked so well for them against the Kings, the Kings are not a very well-structured defensive yeah. team. They're inclined to just trade chances back and forth, which is why the game was six to five. And for a team like the Flames that is going to dump the puck in over and over again and try and win pucks in corners, that's going to result in them more often than not being able to control the flow of the game because the other team just wants to trade chances back and forth. And if you're going to be able to pin them in their own zone for extended periods of time, you're going to be able to force them into making turnovers, which is the, which is truly the Flames' identity. That is the key for the Flames to be successful with the types of talent they have is pinning the other team in their own zone and forechecking them into oblivion, which they were able to do. Granted, mm-hmm. that game was a little bit more of a track meet than the old dump and chase style where Acklam used to from that. But it shows that they have the capability of scoring goals. Now they got to do it more consistently. And that's the difference between a 
average team and a good team. It's just being good consistently. Yeah. And that's what we've talked about since you had me on your podcast for the first time was Daryl Sutter's just repetitive game and just how you can do that and still win. And yes, he is working with very different pieces now, but it's still Sutter's system and it doesn't have to be perfect through 15 games. This is a long season. I am worried about this East Coast trip because this, again, is not necessarily um, the Flames' strong point. Last season, they this road trip killed them. It was they started the new year with a, or I guess they played Chicago technically first, but um, they lost six to two against the Panthers, four to one against the Lightning, six to three against the Hurricanes. That that was miserable hockey to watch, and that's why Dan Vladar didn't get as many chances uh, to start last season because he was in net, I think, for two of those games. Yes. And that was just brutal, and it was not uh, – it was just ugly. It was not It was not a good time. So let me encourage you a little bit here. Number one – Tampa's off to not a very good start so far mm-hmm. to start this season. I think they're in sixth in the Atlantic Division at the moment. And Florida, no, they're in third. They are? When did yes. that change? I could have swore I looked at the standings yesterday and they were in like fifth or sixth. No, Maybe I was I looking mean, at the entire East and not the Metro. Uh, the Atlantic, excuse me. No, I, I was wrong. looking at it um, yesterday too. And I'm almost positive they're third in the... Yeah, no, they're fourth in the Atlantic tied with Florida. Okay, yeah, and then Florida, the goaltending situation is entertaining at this point. You don't know if you're going to get the um, the beach ball going in the net or if you're going to get a heater, which always is entertaining to watch. I imagine it's very hellacious as a Panthers fan, but at the very least, you know the game against Florida will be entertaining. You've got the revenge game factor in both directions because guys on these teams were traded for each other. I'm sure it is going to be played up. I'm sure it is going to be the main talking point during the intermission show and during Mm -hmm. the pregame show. It'll be entertaining. I don't know how it's going to go. That's why they play the games. But at the very least, I'm sure we'll be entertained. Yeah. And it's an afternoon game, too. It's a 4 p.m. start for the East on the East Coast. So a nice afternoon in Calgary. And, you know, that's I don't know. It's an excuse to crack an afternoon beer, which is always nice. But. I don't know. I, I do think that you're you're still right about Tampa. I think that they have had kind of, I don't want to say tumultuous start because... A slow start. A yeah, slow start. It's, not, it's not the Tampa that we have seen in years past. And that's what happens when players get older. But, you know, I'm just, I'm interested to see how the, obviously they'll do in Florida. And then I believe they're going to... No, that was last season. Never mind. They're going to Ottawa. But, you know, we're just going to take this in strides and, again, take as many points as you can and enjoy uh, the momentum that they hopefully build off of uh, from their last two wins. I think that they definitely have this in them. They have it in them to to win. It's just a matter of getting the pieces all together. 
there's enough talent on this team to be very good. The, the talent's not the question here. It's a matter of getting the results from the talent, which if anybody's going to do it, it'll be Daryl Sutter. He, Daryl knows what he's doing. This group is talented. It's just a matter of putting the pieces together in a way that makes sense. Oh, and to answer your question, they do a metropolitan swing. They go to Philly, oh, Pittsburgh, okay. Philly, Pittsburgh, Washington, then Carolina next week. So that's, I mean, Pittsburgh looks awful. That, <laughs> that, that's encouraging. Yeah. Washington looks eh. Carolina's pretty good. And Philly is entertaining, but not for the right reasons. So I can't. Oh, Philly. Hockey's so fun. It's so much fun. And then when do they visit your Rangers? They they did already. Yeah, they literally just did, like two yeah, weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, I, yeah, again, yeah. sorry, everyone. My brain Brain's is tired. It's very tired. But I won't bore anyone anymore with this podcast. No, Nick, we're not boring. We're interested. No, I think we're fun. I yes, think we're having a good time. We are. And we could probably sit here for another two hours and talk about Zadorov needing less ice time to help himself. Um, he was snubbed again in Sarah Sivian's style power rankings. So that's just fake news. Sarah, I love you. But uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And I will be back tomorrow. We're going to have some more fun. Today is only Wednesday. Yes, yeah. tomorrow is Thursday, so we will. I will be here previewing the battle against Tampa, and then Friday, winners and losers of the week because it's hockey. There, there's always a loser and a winner. But uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jess Belmosto and Nick. Where can everyone find you? You can follow my personal Twitter at Nick Zararis, Nick Z-A-R-A-R-I-S. Make sure you are subscribed to Locked on Flames. Make sure you leave a five-star review. Please leave a five-star review. Reviews are very nice. Yeah, please. Um, I was looking at them earlier and I was like, <laughs> okay. But yeah, leave something nice uh, for the third year anniversary of the show in February. I will put together a giveaway, something nice because uh, y'all have been through a lot with this show, especially this off season. So again, make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Flames wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. And we will reconvene next week.